Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes. My sidekick, Scott, is sitting next to me. Person at your side that gets <laughs> kicked a lot, yes. That's right. <laughs> and today our special guest is our youngest son, Sky McIntosh. And the reason he is our special guest today is because we just got home from New York. Uh, how many days were we there? Eight days, one day longer than we anticipated because our flight was canceled and I finally arrived home the following day. Then we took off on another little trip, got home, realized we were one episode short. So that is why our son, Sky, is filling in this week. It's not because I'm special. It is because you're very special and uh, they're in for a real treat. It's going to be good. Yep. <laughs> Sky, how old are you? I am 20 years old, almost 21. Almost 21. And you just returned home from an LDS church service mission. Yeah, two years. I, I just left two months after I graduated high school, and then I just barely got back um, this last week, actually. So let's just preface this with uh, explaining what a mission entails. You get called to a, to serve in sometimes a foreign land, sometimes uh, in your own country. You uh, leave and you pay for it yourself. And you leave your family and loved ones and friends. Uh, you don't have any contact with your family or friends except for an email uh, once a week. Is that correct? That is right. And then uh, you get to talk on the phone to them or Skype four times in the two years, uh, both Mother's Days and both uh, Christmases that you have in those two years. So anyway, just a, just a little bit of... And why is that? Our listeners are wondering. Just to keep them focused, I would believe. What do you think? Yeah, definitely for focus. I mean, knowing that it is just like a limited time that you're out there just dedicated fully to service, um, it can be hard sometimes to get homesick, and it definitely would be harder if there were more communication. So that's the reason for it is just to keep you focused. Yeah, I think I think if you talk to people too many times, you're going to get homesick, or if they came and visited you, oh, for it would sure. like make you look, wig out for a second. So Totally. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, that's the mission in a nutshell. And so let's go back to uh, uh, just let's, what's, what started you on your journey? What made you decide you wanted to be a missionary? I want to go back even further than that. What was it like growing up the youngest of seven children? That was fun. <laughs> um, you were often referred to as the spoiled one. It was a lie. Um, but <laughs> it was a lie. How many, I, how many times have you been spanked? Zero. Okay, you're the spoiled one. No, I was the good one. <laughs> I was the good one. <laughs> <laughs> but... I mean, I, I love my brothers and sisters. There were a lot of, I mean, just older brother, younger brother stuff. Just like, let's let's see who can make Sky cry the fastest, games like that. But, I mean, it was a lot of fun, honestly. I, I love my siblings um, and all that I've learned from them. It was a, really a blessing to me to be able to just have examples of things to do and also, obviously, things not to do as I was growing up and whatnot. Yeah, learning experiences. So now my question, what made you decide to uh, leave this family that you've learned to love? And uh, even though they made fun of you and teased you, uh, to, to leave them and, and go serve a mission for your church. Yeah, well, ever since I was a little kid, I always actually wanted to be a missionary. 
um, one of our family friends, he would always ask me, uh, Sky, what do you want to be when you're older? And I would always just respond, a missionary. And he'd say, where do you want to serve? And I'd say, China. And so that was always something that I wanted to do. And when it came time for me to, to actually do it, it wasn't even a question. It was something that was predetermined um, in my mind. I knew that I wanted to serve a mission because um, my dad did, my uncles, I, like basically everyone did, my brothers did, and it was just something I knew that was right. First yeah. off, did you go to China? I did not go to China. I got uh, called to the New York, New York North Mission. So I spent um, a little bit more than a year in in the city, in New York City, and then about nine months or so in upstate New York. English speaking? Spanish speaking. <laughs> when you left, you could not speak Spanish. No, I did not know anything <laughs> in Spanish except for tacos. <laughs> and what a treat it was to be with you in New York last week and hear you speaking Spanish fluently. It was, it was like it was watching proud. a movie that's in other in another language, but they have subtitles and... You know, watching the lips move and hear a different language come out, it was kind of like that, watching my son's lips move and hearing something that I didn't understand come out. And I thought, oh, I always understood him so well before. <laughs> it was bizarre, but it was so cool to see that how much uh, you had learned and how quickly. How quickly did you pick up the language? I mean, honestly, at first it was hard. I went to Mexico um, for six weeks to like a... Uh, a training center in order to learn the the basics of Spanish. And I thought I was doing pretty good. And then I went to New York and the first day we sat down with some people and they asked me a question and I had no clue what they said. And I looked at, at my partner, my companion, and he told me that they just asked me where I was from. And I was like, oh man, are you kidding me? I just spent six weeks and I didn't even learn that. And so I was kind of bummed, but I mean, just I realized that the at least I could do the least I could do at that time was just smile at people and and just try my best with the language and after a few months seriously it was just a few months where it started to come and um, after about four months I was able to understand most everything and after eight months really everything and so it was pretty cool. And your smile continued even after you were speaking Spanish fluently. At least several people made that comment to us last week. Uh, how you are always smiling and how your your smile always makes their day better. Where did you get your love for people? Say your mom. My mom. <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved people. I don't know. I think that's just something that I, I was I was definitely born with. I just love to be around people. I love to really spend one-on-one time with people, talking to people, getting to know who they are and why they are who they are and yeah, just trying to help them see who they can become. I don't know. I, lo- I love people and one-on-one time with them. And you're genuinely a kind-hearted person. You're not far off when you say that you were never spanked because you were a good kid, and that's that's very true. And I think that irritated your siblings as well. So, <laughs> but the fact that you you would don't you don't say mean things about people, you don't hit people. You've never been in a fight. No. Um, Did you go around hitting people when you were his age? When I was, well, in elementary, I mean, we just fought. That's what boys did, and and he just never fought. And I just thought, hmm, how come he's not fighting? And I just found that he's just a a genuinely nice person. I'm going to dig a little deeper. We haven't talked about this. But before you went on your mission, you were bullied. So tell us how you went from that transformation of being bullied and how that felt, where you just genuinely loved people and, and would never hold any guile against anybody, including the people who bullied you. Yeah, I mean, 
during high school, I I don't know, during my whole life, I guess I've kind of enjoyed being a little bit different. And not even for the, the sake of just being different, but just for the sake of being who I felt I was or just, I don't know, just, just being myself. And it turned out to be different, I guess. And so there, there was a point in high school when I, I actually wore a fanny pack for a couple of years and some people didn't necessarily like that. So I got some grief from it. How did the um, fanny pack come about? Uh, just Black Friday shopping and me and my friends decided, hey, let's wear this on Monday. It'll be fun. And then we wore it on Monday, all, all three of us, and we all started getting attention for it. And they decided never to wear it again because it was kind of negative attention. But I decided, wow, this is the most convenient thing I've ever used. I'm going to wear this every day. And so <laughs> then I wore it for the next two and a half years. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was an interesting process during high school where uh, I had a really good group of friends that always supported me. But there, there were definitely hard days. Um, when I just didn't really want to go to school, honestly. But I didn't, and I don't hold it against those people. They're just being high schoolers. Um, and honestly, it's not that they all were, were trying to be mean, but it's um, maybe just following what their friends were doing. I know I was buddies with a couple of them, but when it came down to it, I guess they were better buddies with, with the people that didn't like me so much. But there's no hard feelings anymore, and it's, it was really just a fanny pack. It wasn't a big deal. Um, but it definitely shaped me a lot and, and helped me realize more so who I am and, and how to embrace that. I, I remember your, your dad one day, maybe, maybe I said this too to you, that why don't you just stop wearing the fanny pack? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think you, you said, I don't know what your words were, but pretty much uh, then that would mean that the mean people or the bullies won. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I'm going to continue to wear it every day. Yep. <laughs> and while you were on your mission, uh, I don't know, I know at least one that bullied you that reached out to you and apologized. Yeah, I mean, I made amends with a couple of people, yeah. So take me um, through that. What, what did you learn from that? Because we learn from every experience in life, uh, the good and the bad, we learn good things from them. If we can take the lessons learned, it's a good thing. How did you learn from that experience? I mean, you talk about it's just a fanny pack, you know, or but it's just friends. It's just words. You know, there's all these little things, but we're trying to help our listeners to understand that when people are mean to them, how to how to deal with that. Well, you said you didn't even want to go to school at times, but you still got up and went to school. So how did you face those fears and those challenges? Um, I think one really important thing was that I did have a good really close support group of friends. And that's when it all turned around was when they actually, after after a little bit, noticed that it was really affecting me. And they, they actually brought it up to the principal um, on the day that there was going to be like a big breakout. It was about to get a lot worse. And that's when things actually improved. And so I think that's something that I, I really learned from the experience is just the importance of having a, a support group of people that love you, not getting away from everyone in those situations, but really latching on to those people that are there for you and letting them support you. Okay, so how did this uniqueness of you wanting to wear a a fanny pack, um, just something so trivial as that, how did that uniqueness help you in when you met people on the streets? You met a a diverse group of people. You had a, a lot of Dominicans, a lot of people from Africa, a lot of people from all over the U.S., and sometimes people looked and dressed and acted like what we would call weird. <laughs> um, and but how did you how did you look past that and accept them for who they were? And was it from the fanny pack? Was it from those kinds of situations that helped you to look past those types of things? Oh, I think for sure. Um, I think me understanding better. Uh, well, I understand myself better now because of the fanny pack experience. I understand who I am and whatnot better, and so I think that makes me more 
I don't know. I have, I have a greater desire now to get to know people for who they are. And so it, it helped me on the mission to be able to have a desire to really get into people's cultures and um, learn their language, eat their food and talk about their families and really just figure out who they are. Um, because I just realized how, how big of a deal it is to, to be yourself. Right. And you were walking a fine line because there's a uniqueness about everybody that you came in contact with, and we don't want to change that. But yet you were offering something to them that was going to change them for the rest of their life. How do you do that? How do you cross that line or, or walk that line? I think walking the line was, was just being genuine and just really getting the message across through through my actions and through the actions of those that I was with that really it's something that has changed our lives and that you don't need to lose your individuality, that God doesn't want to, to make everyone robots, but he just wants to help us become the best us that we can. He wants to help us re- reach our potential, and this is the how to doing that. Name the top three things, not necessarily to your religion, but to your life, the top three things that you gained from your mission that you think help make people happy. I think the top three things that I, I learned that help make people happy is one would be agency, um, which is the ability to choose, basically. That is so powerful to, to just be able to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to have a great day, or even in the middle of the day when you're not having such a great moment to say, you know what, I'm going to make the rest of the day great. Or just when you're sitting there for a second saying, you know what, I can do something productive right now. And so I think that's a, a really big part of our happiness in this life is just using our agency wisely. And then the, uh, the other two things I, I think that have really helped me to, to find this happiness would be repentance and service. And um, before I go into those, I mean, when I talk about happiness, I, I more talk about the word satisfaction. because so I think that that's something that, that that's what those two things really offer. The, the world in a lot of ways doesn't offer satisfaction. You you get told by the world, oh, if you have 10,000 Instagram followers, then you'll be happy. Or, oh, if you make your first million dollars, then you'll be happy. But once you have that a million dollars, you're not happy. Someone else has more. It's, oh, now once you have 10 million, you'll be happy. And so for me, that's what I've been able to find in the gospel is this, this satisfaction in living this repentance and service kind of life. And, and repentance really is just change. It is stopping um, doing the things that we're doing that are wrong and, and really just making improvements and, and trying to do um, the right thing in all situations, trying to make better choices and improve. And then service, obviously, is just not thinking about yourself, doing things out of kindness of your heart for others, trying to help them um, reach their goals. I like that. I like it. So repentance, even, even if uh, you don't believe certain things might be a sin, we can all still repent just by being better every day, treating people kinder. How do you acknowledge that you've done something wrong? Do you do you have to kneel down and pray for forgiveness? Is that is that what really puts you over the top, or just recognizing that you've that you could be better and, and doing that within yourself, or or do you really feel that it, you need to go to a higher power? I think that repentance is uh, a lot of time it's it is looked at as like a step by step process, but in a lot of ways it's not. Um, it's not this checklist that we go through in order to, to improve or to receive forgiveness if we're talking about God. But really, it's just, like you said, just recognizing, oh, yeah, I could do this thing better. Or, hey, I, I kind of messed up today. I want to do that better tomorrow. And it's recognizing that and setting a plan how you're going to do it better. And then for me personally, I, I feel like 
the reason that, that I go to God for it, um, talking to him about it, is, is because repentance really is just change. And I know that I, a lot of things I can't, I can't change on my own. And so for me, God is more of like an, an accountability partner that just helps me out and strengthens me. And so you, you can use that in a lot of different ways with just people around you as well, helping, having other people help you to change. Excellent. So when we went to, to New York to pick you up and spend some time with you traveling around your, your mission and meeting people. One of the memories that sticks out to me right now is having dinner with, uh, I, I forget his name, an 81-year-old. James. 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 <laughs> James and his wife, Victoria. Uh-huh. And in him, just with tears in his eyes, telling me how much he loves you and what a, what a positive impact that you had, had been in his life. And that came through service. You would mow his lawn or just whatever he needed done. Yeah, we just were really concerned about him. He was having a hard time um, doing things that he wanted to do, such as like going to church and whatnot. Um, and we just asked him why because we wanted to help him. He told us it's because I'm doing yard work on Saturdays or I'm doing this on Saturdays and I'm too tired on Sundays. I'm 81 years old. <laughs> and so we were like, okay, well, we're going to come over every Saturday and we're going to do those things for you so that you can make it. And we'll call you on Sunday too to, to help you wake up. And it, it was just really cool to see him transform and, and really to see all of us um, transform as we achieved the goal together. Honestly, as we, as we served him, we were able to, to all just grow this, this great bond. It was amazing. And I sat there in church uh, near him. He was on the other side of you, but watching him sing the hymns and being a part of that, and, and I'm sure he was very thankful for your service and helping him to get there. We saw many people uh, while we did that visit, and and the and every parent's proud of their sons. I mean, but uh, this was like over the top with people just crying, just continually bringing tears to their eyes as they said, you know what, there's a lot of missionaries, but your son is special. He, he really cares about people, and he really loves us, and, and I just love him so much. That had to feel good to hear that, to know that you have served two years, and it wasn't in vain, that the people that you grew to love, I mean, this wasn't just putting in the time. You absolutely fell in love with these people, and, and to hear that, that they appreciated it, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. I mean, it could get hard out there sometimes really wondering, am I really making a difference? And I think everyone asks themselves this question. It doesn't just apply to missionaries, but like, am I really making a difference? And so it was, it was an honor and, and humbling to sit there and hear these people say that and just remembering all the memories we had um, together and, and the relationship that we've been able to build. It, it was amazing. So you're home. What are your plans now? My plans now, um, I'm only here in Utah for three weeks, and I am just working and saving money. And then I'm actually flying out to Hawaii to go to college at BYU-Hawaii. What a great place to go to school, and what is your major? Um, I am going to major in marketing. And then uh, currently, my minors are Spanish and psychology. But honestly, what I, what I love to do is take pictures I love taking pictures of people, so whether that's like senior pictures or weddings or whatnot, I just love taking pictures of people. It's one of my passions I hope to be able to keep doing throughout college and whatnot. And what a better place to take pictures than Hawaii, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, I mean, that's so cool because your future rests on all these types of things. But you came home with a mentoring program too. Can you tell us real quick about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I was just advised to, to reach out to people. Well, I guess 
I'd rather say reach up to people so that I could reach my goals and whatnot. And so I chose a, a few different mentors, um, just people that I look up to in a lot of different ways, and whether that's business or family life or um, just whatever. And I've just sat down and met with them, talked about goals and made plans and talked about accountability. And it, it's really been amazing to um, just get to know these people. And, and I think that is the principle, though, is, is like if you, if you want to improve, you got to reach up, not to the side. I love that. I've never heard that expression. Reach up. All right, everybody. We are at the end of our time, and uh, it just goes so fast. And I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to Sky and the principles that he's learned. Uh, didn't want to try to get into a uh, just a travel log or anything like that of his last two years, but actually the principles that were gained um, from his service. Thank you, Sky, for being on Life in 22 Minutes. Is there one last message that you would like to leave with our audience? I love you. There you go. That reminds me. I got to tell you, this kid, <laughs> this kid would embarrass me to death. We everywhere we went. I mean, if I went to McDonald's drive-through and got some fries as we drove away, he'd always say, "Love you," and I would just be like smacking him, telling him to knock it off. Yeah. Pre-mission. Pre-mission. Yeah. Pre-mission. Yeah. Now he genuinely means it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, see you, everybody. Thanks for listening to us this week. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard. Tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.